Welcome back, Immortal X Friends. I'm Cody. And we are here live from Immortal X Friends Studios, aka my loft. Um, we're, we're trying something new today. If you're just listening to this audio, we are trying to film this. And if you're watching this filming, you are seeing us look very awkward on camera. Yeah. Riley, can you find your cameras really fast? You're, I think we're both kind of seen in the others, but uh, whenever Riley has a comment directly for you, dear listener or viewer, we're going to try and spike the camera. I'm going to try and do a gym from the office. Uh, perfect. We yeah, have a big, we have a big issue today. We have a big issue today. We have a few big issues today. Yeah. Um, earlier today we were calling this our Barbenheimer day. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. because there's two issues, two very different issues, I think. Yeah. Um, but we're going to start with ultimate invasion issue number, number two. two. Um, stoked on this, excited for this. Uh, we obviously did a very big podcast a few weeks ago on ultimate invasion number one. Um, that we both left feeling pretty pretty high from yeah i feel like that was a good place for us to start and get going how how are you feeling about ultimate invasion 2 uh i'm really intrigued by it um yeah last issue was super fun just kind of a fresh start setting off on like this whole new everything yeah um and this this issue is very fun it's uh it's the typical hickman issue raising a ton of questions and not answering a whole lot not answering a whole lot yeah um it almost plants more seeds than it answers from the last time around but um it was really fun just kind of the implications that this thing sets yeah. up uh it's still really cool to read yeah 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 it's it's still really cool to read but you know before we before we started recording um you know i think you said it really well like this doesn't uh, it doesn't have all of the like the massive page turn punches that you might expect but yeah. i think it's probably setting up the next two issues though um, more than more than anything else something that really stood out to me while reading it about midway through is it truly we talked about its implications last week about it being a continuation of the illuminati and secret wars story yeah this felt like reading hickman's ultimates for the first time again yeah um, even just seeing the political machinations of you know the fictional asia the fictional russia the mm -hmm. fictional other lands that he's already seeded yeah. um in this world and we'll talk about kind of how it gets there uh but seeing some of those character reveals are like oh this feels like reading the ultimates again and kind it of does. like who are we going to see running this version of uh, of a nation right and i think it's good to have those reminders of how different this universe is going to be from yeah. 616 and from the ultimate universe too right yeah, yeah. this is its own new thing um, and kind of like giving us the early reminders mm -hmm. that it's its own thing, right? This is not what you are used to. No. So I guess we should just kind of dive right into it. Yeah. Um, I think that's the best way. So uh, Ultimate Invasion number two, written by Jonathan Hickman, illustrated uh, beautifully once again by Brian Hitch. Uh, this issue picks up both exactly where the last one left off and also nowhere near it. Right. Um, and I think as we start to read through, what we open with uh, is the maker remembering the conversation that he had with uh, 616 Reed Richards, mm -hmm. right? Uh, the conversation of him saying, if you could go back and erase me from existence, would you? And Reed said, yeah. Yes, the maker I said would. he'd remember that. And that theme is kind of what continues throughout this book. Right. Um, we see what the maker is up to. And if you remember, the last issue ended with the maker taking on this new version of Peter Parker and removing the spider from biting him yeah. thus 
negating his origin story. And we have a data page that kind of shows that he's been doing this all throughout this version of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, in the first opening pages, we kind of get a montage of mm -hmm. different things that he's been up to. Um, one being he establishes Asgard as having Loki as its leader versus yeah. having Thor kind of nullifying Thor's threat to all of his plans, yes. which is really exciting. Um, you see the Fantastic Four there. Um, he delays their rocket launch by a few hours. That way, you know, they're not going through the cosmic rays. They're not ending up with the powers mm -hmm. that we're used to seeing them have. Um, but something that came up for me uh, and I'm getting a little bit ahead of, of what we were, yeah. um, of issue order. But something that was notable for me, though, is toward the end of the issue, Maker is having a conversation with Howard Stark, uh, in which he reveals that two weeks ago he was attacked. Um, it left a few marks. And because of all of these things, maybe because of his injuries, uh, he's not able to trust his own memory, that he's yeah. misremembering things. Um, and so it kind of led me back to the beginning of the issue and we get this, uh, this data page that's called the maker memory log. Uh, and it makes me wonder if this is, this data page can be trusted. Mm -hmm. Uh, and my reason for questioning this is, um, a few pages before this, we see the fantastic four, uh, in which he says, you know, a rocket launch to delay by hours, a cosmic storm missed the fantastic reduced to something more manageable, right? And nothing in that makes it seem like he completely took the Fantastic Four off the board by killing them, yeah. right? Um, however, on this yeah, data page, sure. Reed Richards is the only one that's listed as being alive. His status on this data page is controlled where the other three members of the Fantastic Four are listed as being deceased. So... That leads me to wonder if the information on this data page can be trusted as being legitimate, considering that the maker, by his own admission, is not able to remember things exactly the way they may have happened. Yeah, I think that was on my mind as well, especially because this memory log has been revised. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm curious, <clears throat> we see where it says all these node repositories, like where... Mm -hmm. I, I can't tell if that's where the artifact is, if that's where the memory of what happened is, uh, but definitely makes me think of like brain nodes. Mm -hmm. And if he's trying to record, like, okay, if he's spread his mind throughout his body, like, mm -hmm. is this where those memories are located? Right. Like, in that specific node, which would be a very maker thing to do, a very interesting thing to do. But um, it's cool going off of that page to just see who needed to be killed mm -hmm. uh, versus who needed to just be controlled or who he was able to prevent completely from, from being inactive. Right. Like he got what he needed from them. He got his artifact and he was able to move on. Um, the only one that is still captive is this universe's Dr. Strange, mm -hmm. uh, which I thought was interesting. Uh, so I'm, yeah, I, I don't know if this can be trusted. I'm curious to see what's going on. Um, so just to go kind of a quick rundown through this issue, most of this issue takes place focusing on this universe's Iron Man, who is Howard Stark, not Tony Stark, and his relationship with Obadiah Stane. There's still weapon manufacturers in Manhattan. Uh, Howard Stark is really following in the veins, it looks like, of Tony Stark. He is He's an alcoholic in this universe. He's a womanizer in this universe. Um, and he always thinks that he's the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Um, and he feels that way up until they go to essentially this, it looks like almost like a peace conference, right? Mm -hmm. 
um, there's a big comment that the the maker, so Evil Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe, his big claim to fame, besides being Evil Reed Richards, was he made the City of Tomorrow, which is basically this mushroom-shaped dome where he got to speed forward time a thousand years inside mm-hmm. of it and created these genetically advanced and very specific role-based society that would appear in different places around the world. Mm-hmm. So now it seems like the general population knows about it and it's almost treated as like um, like Halley's Comet or something, yeah. but like a political event. So these other nation diplomats are coming to see it and we get to see some kind of almost like revisions of Hickman's own stuff where in his version of the ultimates, we got to see um, Zorn, the Zorn brothers, the Zorn brothers, basically yeah. running their group of, I think they called them the inhumans. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks instead almost like they were kind of these enlightened guru, very like Eastern mysticism um, that started a super powered society. It looks in this version, like Hulk's kind of running that yeah. instead. Mm-hmm. Um, Hickman also Hickman and Ewing and and Duggan too. They do such a good job of shouting out each other's works. Yeah, and so even just saying that they called this version of Hulk Immortal Hulk the was Immortal Hulk, was very yeah. cool. Um, but we see all these diplomats basically arrive. Um, we see yeah, we see a group of from what do they call them? The three Pacific clans, and you have uh, Sunfire and Silver Samurai that are there mm-hmm. as basically a united Asian front. And then you see the uh, the Rasputin siblings. <laughs> um, and I'm trying to remember. It's been a long time since I've read Ultimate X-Men. But I don't know what our version of um, Ultimate Magic was. Yeah, I don't um, know. And so it was just, she looks badass in this. Really cool seeing her get so much attention in the past 10 years. Mm-hmm. And obviously she's had a big year um, through, like, she was very present in Midnight Suns, uh, the video game. And she's even an unlockable character right now. Or her her Phoenix Force skin is an unlockable card in Marvel Snap right now. Which okay. is cool. Magic's, cool. Magic's having a moment. She is, yeah. Um, so all these people gather, and then the Maker and some soldiers emerge from the city. And then what happens to them, Riley? They get full-scale attacked by several Captain Americas, Thors, Ant-Mans, uh, Wasps. This is uh, a very interesting invading army were you did, attacking did it army. take you a moment were you a little confused looking at the page for the first time um just a little bit yeah. i guess you know um the first thing that you know on the page before before you see all of these characters that mm-hmm. are attacking you know the maker looks up to the sky and says well i'm waiting right like he knows yes. that this is about to happen Almost that he's set up this entire event just so that there are spectators to what he knows is coming. Yeah. Um, and then you turn the page and you see that this army is made up of several, you know, Captain Americas and several Thors and stuff. And it's just like, hmm, this is very interesting that this is the this is the attacking army. Why are there so many of them? Uh, are they Because there's so like, many. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so they're they're fighting i also will say and we were talking about this in the car when we got these issues like mm-hmm. i was commenting on the cover riley was driving and i kept threatening that i was going to read it and he kept threatening to crash his car if i did yeah. but looking at this cover i think we talked about oh this is, looks kind of like a civil a civil war homage it right does. you have cap versus iron man um it looks like you have a lot of original avengers but then there's just some random placements like magic is in there mm-hmm. omega red and riley and i talked about how 
you can't trust these covers, especially Hickman covers for events. I feel like yeah. the House and Powers covers, especially, were were super misleading. Like they were. until you read them and you're like, oh, this does kind of make sense. And even Ultimate Invasion issue one has all of the original Ultimates on, on the, the backside, right? Yeah. yeah. And while the Ultimate Universe is getting you know relaunched or whatever it may be, none of the Ultimates are actually a part of no. the story at that point, at least. So when we looked at these covers and saw captain versus iron man like i don't know that i can necessarily trust any of this as being like what will actually occur um i think what's so brilliant about this is this cover does kind of occur it does just not this way right and it's still like even looking at this it took me a moment to realize like oh i guess they did kind of like spoil the twist but in <laughs> such a way that's willow chiming in she also liked the twist mm -hmm. um come here but also showing like nothing at all which right. is such a great um i feel like hickman and brian hitch cover trope yeah um so they're attacked they're attacked by all of these versions of the avengers um specifically ones that have been taken off the board like none of them exist in this version of the maker's world um they're also all original avengers i don't know if yeah. you caught that too mm -hmm. um with the exception of iron man and hulk who are clearly here right and then uh obadiah stain jumps in in iron man armor because mm -hmm. uh, howard stark didn't uh he is subsequently <laughs> exploded um by these attacking avengers howard by several thors <laughs> shooting lightning several through thors the suit. Just decimating him uh howard stark is knocked unconscious and injured during this time um and when he wakes up the maker is talking to him he says that obadiah stain is dead he says he's really regretful of this attack but then he also says these were attackers from the future which was shocking to read yeah doesn't seem necessarily true based on what we know it seems like howard stark's being a little played i think so um but then the maker proceeds to bring in it looks like a random assortment of civilians right and looking at them i, I couldn't tell if it was anyone that we were supposed to know i really do think that they were just randoms yeah um and then the maker as his men open fire on them and he does this because he says that all of the people all the avengers that are trapped are all like genetic like they share a genetic code and right. that's them from the future and then instantly those avengers like melt and die mm -hmm. all of this to me seems like a big lie it feels like manipulation for sure yeah this feels like a reversal of a lot of the technology that was in play in issue one mm -hmm. um as you know the maker needs to make a clone of himself so he uses the genetic code of yeah five four five seemingly random soldiers to create a little an golem of himself yeah. yeah it seems like this is that same type of technology it seems very convenient that he takes out these seemingly random civilians and all of the people behind the glass begin to evaporate like it's, that. It's super odd. And at, at, on both counts, like he's getting the genetic material of all of these heroes. Right. These heroes that like specifically don't exist in his world. Mm -hmm. It also seems very, it seems very convenient to me that in the ensuing battle, Obadiah has a suit while Howard doesn't. Yeah. And Obadiah gets... You know, he is, you know, 
the army comes through this portal. They say something like, "Just the maker and whoever else is like you a know, threat, appropriate so or like whatever." Magic, Colossus, um, all of them. Yeah. Yeah, and so you would think that Obadiah's part in this thing is to just you know try to keep himself and Howard safe and escape or whatever it may be. But then we have a panel of multiple Thors shooting lightning through the suit. You know. Yeah it almost seems that Obadiah was a target mm -hmm. in this whole thing. So that way he could be manipulated by, uh, by the maker. That's, that's my read on it too. It, it seems like it was definitely a, a setup. Yeah. Especially because when Howard's talking to Obadiah in the scene before, it's a lot of like, I think things could be done differently or like mm -hmm. I have a bigger plan. And yeah. so it seemed like the maker was once again, like controlling right. someone. And something that was notable about that, so on the first read-through of this issue, it seemed like it was a little bit more on the surface than mm -hmm. maybe issue one was. That, like, there wasn't too much to read into or things to kind of miss, you know? But something that occurred to me as I was flipping through it the second time is that um, as Obadiah and Howard are having a conversation still in Manhattan, they haven't yet left or anything... Um, you know, Obadiah asks him, did you finally agree to go with me to the city because you've schemed up some radical restructuring of what works into something better, yeah. which is almost exactly what the makers do exactly. with this whole universe. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it almost feels like Howard is kind of on a similar path to the maker, but the maker would need that to be under his control as well. Yeah. You know, not want to leave Howard out to his own devices, no. you know, um, that was notable to me on the second read through that on the first time I didn't catch that actually Howard and the maker have very similar, uh, have very similar like outlooks to everything right now. So it makes sense that all of this would be manipulation to Howard. To and me. I think especially with where it goes. So after the maker melts down the Avengers and these random civilians into a, a, a primordial goo, um, he takes Howard into his back room um, after Howard challenges, like, what do you think? People aren't going to do this to you. Like you just destroyed their mm -hmm. ancestors and it killed them. And the maker confesses, I'm not from this universe. Mm -hmm. Like I'm from somewhere else. They wouldn't know where to start, but he takes him to this back room and he shows him something called an Amortis engine, um, which is a time machine, yeah. a time portal of some sort. Um, and it sounds like this is what the maker has been using mm -hmm. to jump around throughout this world's Marvel history yeah. um, and change and manipulate things. And it sounds like Howard is concerned um, and trying to figure out what it is and why he would make it. This is where the maker reveals that there was an attack on him two weeks earlier mm -hmm. um, and he's missing a ch chunk of his face. Yeah. Uh, and so because of that, he's rearranged his brain and his vital organs so that he can't be easily killed but yeah. that also makes him not trust his own memory like we we're talking about earlier and then he drops the bombshell to howard that he needs howard because he thinks howard was the one who built this amortis engine right um so there's a lot of manipulation going this is an issue that's set up a lot uh revealed kind of the status quo of this new earth um what 6160 yeah um but we don't necessarily know. Obviously, the 616 Illuminati are mm -hmm. still out there. 
and yeah. after him, but I have no idea how to get to him from where we left them off. Right. Um, the maker, he like scrambled the bridge before he went through yeah. it, so they're unable to follow him directly. The maker's clearly in charge of this universe and is playing some sort of long game. And I, I truly like, I don't know what it is at this point. I don't either. Um, which is very exciting. It almost to me feels like, I guess my my hot take theory right now is between the gathering of the goo of all these heroes, the manipulating and picking and choosing powers as he goes, like, and now having a time machine, I almost wonder if he's trying to recreate everything, like, like all of the, the universe, like start over like a new big bang or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I could see that because the more that I, um, you know, in issue one, there's a mystery of, uh, the maker breaks into the Baxter building, sits down at one of Reed's computers, and you also see this again on one of yeah. the opening pages. Um, but at the time, it's not explicitly clear what it is he was looking for or what it is that he took. Um, but the more that I think about it, the more I think that the maker was looking through for any records that Reed would have established of the recreating of the universe, mm -hmm. you know, as he and Franklin did this post secret, secret Wars. Wars. I think so too. Yeah. I think that the maker was looking for information on how Reed and Franklin made this happen. That way that he could kind of follow and recreate everything in those footsteps. Um, I think that you could be onto something there. Um, there are a couple of things that are, notable to me that are kind of left in this issue and one of them is uh the maker reveals to to howard that two weeks previously to all of these events there was an attack and that this attack is the second right yeah um now what's notable to me is that the maker obviously is in a position of power he's in a position of um of fame that when he calls an assembly of world leaders that they'll come and that there will be a lot of like press and media attention to it right um but he's willing to divulge the information to howard that two weeks previously he was attacked right but as we kind of transition to latveria where the city is and they're kind of starting through this thing we kind of get a montage of different like um members of the press kind of introducing the whole whatever the whole scene um and the first one says you know, and so after two weeks of having disappeared without any indication of how long he and the city itself would be shielded in isolation, yeah. word has reached us, dot, 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 you know, whatever. And it seems notable to me that the maker is attacked, the city is attacked, and instead of just being like, you know, we've been, you know, the city has come under attack and, and whatever, and just kind of being upfront with it, um, that he, you know, he and his PR team yeah. decided to go behind closed doors, shut themselves in, you know, that kind of stuff. It seems notable to me that he wouldn't use that moment to, you know, create like positive press for himself mm -hmm. or anything like that. Like, look how I've been attacked and wounded. Yeah, right. Like they killed Obadiah Stane. That's, it may, that may have happened off panel. Like Maybe. it really may have. Yeah. It looked like Howard was out for a while. Okay. So, I've been traveling for a while. Mm -hmm. While I was traveling uh, on Marvel Unlimited, the app that keeps on giving for both of us, yeah, um, I decided to read through all of Donny Cates' Venom run. Um, 
much to Riley's, not dismay, but I definitely sent you a text really ready to maybe, buy the Venomnibus. Maybe like disbelief as like yeah. neither of us really, we feel a little bit of apathy toward Venom, I think. Just very kind of yeah. like whatever. He exists. He exists. He's there. For me, it doesn't seem like I would be able to like read through a full book of Venom stuff. Like he's like a, a supporting character to me. So that's you know? what I thought too. Yeah. And then I freaking dug Venom so much. Um, that run was very fun. Mm. Um, and honestly, it reminded me less of a Marvel run, and it was it was really similar to me of uh, Jeff Johns's run on Green Lantern. Okay. Um, not nearly as long because if you put all that run together, it's like three Omnis, like mm-hmm. and like the big ones. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was so much less of Venom eating people and just being kind of like an anti-hero, and it was so much more of like. The, the premise of this book is basically Venom and Eddie Brock uh, discover that there have been symbiotes on Earth a lot longer than the Spider-Man symbiote that became Venom. And in fact, pre-Shield was using them in like the Vietnam War okay. attached to people. But those symbiotes went crazy and started calling out to this thing called Noel, who's the king in black. Right. And so essentially... They take the story back even further and like actually like even our symbiotes weren't the first ones it was the grendel from like the beowulf like mythos okay that was actually a dragon symbiote interesting and so that's fun so that was really fun and basically that that dragon symbiote was calling out to to Noel, who is trapped on bendis introduced this idea of clintar uh kiltar <laughs> called called the the planet of the symbiotes in his guardians of the galaxy run okay but basically uh kate's like retcons that to make it like that's actually a prison where all of the symbiotes are imprisoning null mm. so it becomes very cosmic really fast yeah. but this all ties in i promise to ultimate invasion because one of the main forces that is investigating eddie brock and the symbiote and the relation to Noel is none other than the Maker. Mm-hmm. And so the Maker ends up playing probably, honestly, like there's Eddie Brock. Um, they introduce a character that has a very special relation to Eddie Brock and the symbiote. And then the Maker is almost like the third tier character in this whole run mm-hmm. operating in the background. Like there's some issue that's kind of like just his investigation into to Brock and the symbiote and the King in Black. And so, spoiler alert for the Venom, beloved Venom run, but as things start progressing and the maker starts examining the symbiote, he basically reveals, and I think I sent you these panels because I was digging yeah. it so hard, that he is actually in contact with a reformed council of reeds. And he is actually trying to grab the symbiote from the ultimate universe, the one that we've talked about a lot through our ultimate Spider-Man, ultimate Miles Morales talks, because it is not in connection to Noel. It has its own properties and he wants to use it to bond himself with it. So he can try to basically use the symbiote as like a space suit to traverse the multiverse, to go back. Mm, I like that. That's fun. So that's where all of it leads with what the maker's trying to do. And in that run, He's trying to recreate the ultimate universe. Yeah. The same thing that the same goal in this. When he arrives on his universe, though, on when he arrives on um, 
1610, I think, not 6160. That's the new one. Yeah. When he arrives on 1610, it's it's in destruction. Like Manhattan is on fire, things are in smoke, and he just looks and he's like, yes, this will work. So I do not know um, canonically like what happens to the maker after that. Yeah. Um, the Venom run ends on a pretty cool note where basically Eddie Brock is now he's now the new king in black and so his he passes the venom off to someone else but he's like plugged in and is basically like honestly like heimdall like okay. is everywhere at once and sure. he's saying i'm everywhere and i do not know where the maker is and that scares me and so he mm-hmm. tells the avengers like that needs to be our top priority and they're like oh we'll see sure because they're assholes but um that's kind of where it left the maker off. So I don't know if someone else picked it up and ran with it or if this is now the first time that we're like re-seeing him. Um, but I thought that was just something to mention where uh, Donny Cates got a special thanks in issue one. And yeah. maybe in here too. I looked and I don't think so. Not this time around. No, not this time. But we were questioning that in the last one, like why? Yeah. And that led me down this rabbit hole. I'm really glad I read that because it just... Uh, the maker's been wanting this for a while, mm-hmm. and he's obviously seen destroyed versions. But all that, the Council of Reeds basically said, if you want to be a full-fledged member of us, and I, I don't think the maker cares. I think yeah. he's just using them. Then they're like, you need to come from an established universe, not a destroyed one. That means you failed. So that's all. I just, I didn't know if you had that knowledge, and I didn't know if our listeners did. <laughs> so now yeah. I got to ramble about Venom for, for three minutes. No, that's good to know. I think, um, you know, we talked about before <laughs> – after reading Hickman's Fantastic Four and his Ultimates run, that um, even though it having the Maker around could have possibly gotten in the way of what Fantastic Four accomplished, it would have been really cool for the Maker and the Council of Reeds to have some more interaction than we've ever yeah. seen. Um, so it's cool to see that that has happened somewhere. Totally. Um, because that's kind of something I know that uh, as we wrap up today's episode, we wanted to talk about what things we hope Ultimate Invasion yeah. will do. Um, and that's one of those things that I'm hoping to see that um, the Council of Reeds will come to the maker and say, like, you can't do this, like whatever it is mm-hmm. that his, his goal is. Um, and I want to see the maker just shoot them all down. Um, that he's the biggest and baddest read of them all. Yeah. Um, I would love to see 616 read be a part of the council of reads again. Like his own hubris has led has him, led him to there like once again, join the council. It already after... led him to the Illuminati. again. Right. Yeah. So that would be very fun to see. Um, that would have repercussions to 616 read. Yeah. Um, that would be sweet. That'd and be we just haven't cool. seen enough. Like, you know, the evil baddest It's like, He's the ultimate, like, what-if character. He is, you know? yeah. And having him interact with, like, his counterparts from other universes would be great. It would I be so good. stuff like that. I know. Yeah. I I do love how, even in this one, we, we kind of glossed over it, but, like, the other Fantastic Four members are dead. Mm-hmm. But Reed is alive. He is. He's manageable, I think is what it says. Yeah. Which is just so, so great. So, yeah, I'm... I'm really excited to see where this goes. Uh, I am super looking forward to it. Um, it's it's fun. It's fun seeing what toys get played with. It's mm-hmm. fun seeing that it zags when we think it's going to zig. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was very cool that the Illuminati were not in this at all. Yeah. Um, and that it was such a contained little story. Um, I Here's my biggest... Here's a fear. And it's not even a real fear, but it is kind of there. 
I obviously we love House and Power so much. Mm-hmm. We love Inferno so much. And I think you and I are kind of in honestly I will say like not the minority of like House and Powers is awesome. Like that's pretty universally like accepted. Yeah. Um but especially with Inferno, I feel like with both House and Powers and Inferno, I really feel like those are kind of they're obviously both launching points. Yeah. Right? Like House and Powers sets up the five years of comics that we've been reading um inferno launches hickman's exit and gillen and ewing and duggan like coming in and running with what he set up mm-hmm. um i don't want this to just feel like a launching point yeah like i don't want i don't want to end these four issues and just be like oh cool ultimate universe one's coming out which we know it is and we know there's going to be some other forms of ultimate comics where i'm sure yeah but like i still want this to feel like oh that is that that ended up being a really like cool poetic contained sci-fi story about the difference between reed and the maker or or just i wanted to have some sort of through line in the same way where i felt like inferno still felt like a contained of like this is what happens when men who think they're good keep secrets right how house and powers was still like this is what it takes to build a nation but if it's built on sins you'll fail every time like i just you can read those by themselves you could they they've and i want this to feel that same way sure yeah i I guess that's my biggest fear is like i don't want this to end with just loose ends Um, yeah yeah i agree um but when you know, I, I feel that it's inevitable that we get an announcement of like the new ultimate line. I think of, so too. In, you know, within six, days or weeks. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm expecting an announcement of like six different books, you know, and something we've, we've talked about before that'd be really exciting is the concept of like, you know, the, the Krakoa books have the X office and it would mm-hmm. be really cool for them to take that idea and run with it in a different way. Um, and have a series of writers and artists working on ultimate books. Yeah. You know, you have the ultimate office, which would be really cool. But I definitely do want to see that, like, Ultimate Invasion has, like, ripples that go through everything through versus, everything. like, this just is kind of the, this is how we set it all up. And now yeah. have a great time and we walk out the door, you know? Like, Don't want that. No, I feel like I, I want this to have lasting repercussions to things um yeah yeah this is exciting and i don't want it to just be over after the four plus one issues totally yeah so yeah well this was good i'm excited yeah. to do this this has been one of my favorite books for us to talk about yeah um, this is and a good i feel one. like it's 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 solid having this every month well cool well um thank you for listening to us talk about ultimate invasion 2 and thank you for sticking with us uh with our first ever video setup yeah i know riley's getting used to all the cams riley do your last like clock camera uh but we will be back uh very soon um by the time this is posted we will have already read and talked about this year's third annual hellfire gala so uh stay tuned and read comics yeah if you're looking to read comics this is a really good one to start with you know grab ultimate invasion one and two these are really fun ones and if this whole universe kickstarts the way that we think that it's going to it's gonna be a perfect launching point this is a great place for you to pick up stuff to read so grab these free comics all right see ya bye